Welcome to the QAV podcast. If you're brand new, I just want to introduce the podcast a little bit so you know what you're getting yourself into. If you've listened to the show before, feel free to just fast forward a minute or two. If you're brand new, here's the deal. Uh, my name's Cameron Riley. Tony Kynaston is an old friend of mine. He's a very successful share market investor. I'm talking very, very, very successful. He's been doing it 30 years. He's one of the best in the country in terms of a private investor. Very good uh, track record over 30 years. And what this podcast is about is Tony basically teaches me everything that he knows about investing in the stock market. And you get to listen. But if you're coming into this for the first time, you'll find that this episode, the current episodes, assume a certain level of prior knowledge. We assume that you know what we're talking about, his system, his methodology, which we explain in earlier episodes. So feel free to listen if you want to get the vibe for what's going on, but some of it's not going to make much sense unless you understand what the checklist is, etc. I recommend if you're brand new, you go back and listen to uh, Season 3, Episode 1, Episode 3 and Episode 5, where we go into Tony's background and his system and his methodology in a lot more detail. And then feel free to listen to the contemporary episodes, the current episodes. You'll understand more of the context of what we're talking about. With that, let's get into today's show. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get into it. Welcome back to QAV, episode 404, recorded on the 1st of February, 2021. You're back in Sydney, TK. I am. Yep. First day, well, first working day back. Got back on Friday night. That's good. How was your uh, rest of your stay in Waka Waka Waka? (laughs) Wet. (laughs) No, it was good fun, but um, yeah, just rained the whole time. Hot and uh, wet. We Which is? That's nice if you're with a lady, but it ain't no good if you're in the jungle. Boom, boom. <laughs> R.I.P. Uh, Robin Williams. Yeah, it was good. We didn't play golf, so we jumped in the car and did a bit of a tour around the local countryside. Visited the Juni Chocolate and Licorice Factory and the Cheese Factory. I forget what the town was called. Bigger? Yeah, Victoria, tiny place. Big, big, no, big no, place. no, no. Um, yeah. uh, not Cameroon, okay. something like that. I forget Ooh. what it was called now. Mm-hmm. And you got back home, uh, everything's good, the house was still there. Yeah, all good, good to be home. We're here though, today's well, today's fighting up, but yeah, still we're here too. But well, nice, yeah, nice to be home. That's good. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the week in the stock market. Tony, of course, <laughs> oh. we need to start. We need to start with GameStop. Uh, <laughs> that's people who have never heard of shorting before now know everything about shorting. Uh, <laughs> so I'm assuming everyone listening to this knows the story, but if you don't, quick pricey. Um, last week. Uh, a bunch of people on Reddit collapsed the stock market here in, in the United <laughs> States. Basically, there's a there's a subreddit uh, called Wall Street Bets, and uh, one of the guys on there, his name is Deep Fucking Value. It's his username. <laughs> uh, had this idea a while back. He realized that GameStop, which is a, a bricks and mortar retailer of games like Electro- EB, Electronic Boutique here in Australia, uh, their business has been struggling because people tend to buy stuff online these days. 
this guy realized some time ago that there was a bunch of hedge funds uh, that were shorting the hell out of this stock. And in fact, they had shorted it to, I think, 140% of the available liquidity of the stock. And so he and a bunch of and this this subreddit had a couple of million people on it before last week. Now, I, last I checked, it was like six million people had joined really? this subreddit. <laughs> yeah, but he basically said uh, some time ago, you know what? If we just buy all of the stock uh, that's outstanding, we push the price up, and these guys are going to be, uh, you know, struggling. They, obviously, it's not going to go down to where they think, it, you know, where they sold it at with their shorts, and they'll have to buy it off of us, which. If we don't sell, <laughs> we'll push the price up and up and up and up, and eventually they'll have to buy. We'll, you know, but it's going to cost them an absolute fortune. And this is what transpired: a bunch of people, millions of people, <laughs> punters on this subreddit bought GameStop. GME is the uh, code in the US for GameStop, not the GME in the ASX, which got a nice <laughs> spike as a result by accident. A lot of people uh, bought, and and if you jump into the Reddit forums, as I was spent a lot of time in there last week, they're just going, hold the line, hold the line, don't sell. <laughs> there was no shares to sell, and these guys had to cover their positions. I'll get Tony to do a recap on shorting, which we've talked about before on the show. They had to buy the stock to cover the, <laughs> the shorting, the shorts that they'd sold, and the price went up and up, and the last I looked, it had gone up 1,900%. In a couple of days, it fell back a bit and then it went rebounded on Friday. And in order to get, you know, so this one hedge fund that was at the front of this, Melvin Capital, lost $3 billion last week. Then I think they brought in some investment from some other billionaire hedge funds and then lost another few billion the next day <laughs> when they couldn't cover this. They had to sell all of their other positions had to liquidate in order to get cash and blah, 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 blah. And, of course, it just meant a whole bunch of stock got dumped on the market in the US and here and it panicked everyone. Is that a fair pricey of what went on, Tony? It is, yeah. It's a fair pricey, but it's worthwhile just digging into a few of the points because, I, uh, you know, there's a few things out there which have, have sailed by a lot of the commentators, I think, um, but they're worth focusing on. Uh, and and I think you said that. Uh, well, I just wanted to point out that GameStop I think owns EB Games in Australia. Oh, really? I did yeah. not know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Pretty pretty sure I read that somewhere over the weekend. So <laughs> that that's what it is. If if people wanted to know what a GameStop shop looks like, it's an EB Games shop over here. Um, I think in the case of the short sellers, uh, I, I think there are there may be some rules particular to them or it might, it might be different in the states but uh, and I've never shorted a stock so I'm speaking from just things that I've read they had to post collateral with the with the people they borrow the stock from so just the pricey of short selling if I think for example Maya is going to go down because department stores are dinosaurs and they're bricks and mortars, and their online presence isn't that great, which is basically the thesis behind GameStop, then I go to a, a large super fund or a large investment bank and I say, can I can I rent some stock from you? And they do that and they'll, they'll rent it to me and then I immediately sell it. And my hope is that uh, in a, a short period of time, but, you know, maybe a year, but, uh, the, the Maya is worth a lot less than what it is now and I can buy that stock back in the market, return it back to the super fund I borrowed it from and stop paying the rent. The, the thing that uh, 
didn't get much coverage with the company that shorted GameStop was that they had to post collateral with the funds they borrowed the stock from. So the fund said, "Sure, we'll we'll send you the uh, we'll rent you the stock, but we want to make sure that you have money to buy it back and give it back to us when when it's all said and done at the end of the day." So they had to post collateral. And as the share price went up, they had to post more collateral or find stock and sell it and return it. So it wasn't just the fact that they had to pay a lot more for their stock. They could easily have just said, no, nah, we'll keep paying the rent on the stock and we'll we'll hold because GameStop is probably going to come down at some stage when when the Reddit people start to sell it. Uh, and then they can, you know, close it out for a lower price. But they the problem was they had to keep finding more and more collateral for the the, the investment banks they borrowed the shares from, and that's what really sent them broke. Uh, and then they, that forced them to cover their short position, which also uh, made a big loss for them and, and return the shares. So it was kind of a double whammy for them. So I hadn't heard about that um, rising collateral problem before for short sellers, but that just multiplies the risk that you take on when you're shorting a stock if you're forced to do, to do that as well. I'm not sure if it's the case in Australia, but um, it wasn't the case with this company that was borrowing stock to, to short GameStop. So that's the first thing. The, the second thing which I found interesting was that uh, this, I mean, this whole situation reminds me exactly of the old boiler rooms, you know, 20 years ago, leading up to the dot-com crash in particular. So, if, you know, if you think, picture the Wolf of Wall Street, ringing a bell in the morning and getting his 50 or 100 traders together and say, right, I want you to push GameStop to every one of your clients today. We own some. We're going to make out like bandits. And then they all get on their phones and they, they ring up, you know, maybe 10 people each. So you've got 10,000 or 1,000 people buying shares in GameStop and then uh, the Wolf of Wall Street selling out when it, when it rises. And that's pretty much what's happening with Reddit. In fact, it wouldn't. There are there are long funds that are in GameStop, so there are hedge funds who are shorting it, but there are also hedge funds who've been in it for a long time. And and GameStop, the investment thesis behind buying GameStop, as it was um, laid out in an article I read in the weekend, was that yes, it was a bricks and mortar retailer, but there was an activist investor who had run an online pet food company successfully in the US, who had bought uh, enough shares in the company to get a board seat. And he'd written to the company and said, listen, you idiots, I know about selling online. I've just bought some shares in your company. You better listen to me. We're going to turn this around. And they started to. So there were people legitimately buying on the rebound story into GameStop, including hedge funds. To me, if you use the the qui bono principle, it's not a long bow to suggest that maybe there were some hedge fund operatives in that Reddit Wall Street bubble stirring things up. Uh, you know, you know, to to talk up their book, just like there was in the pump and dumps with the boiler rooms in the past. So I've seen this this guy this picture before. It's just that it's got come in a different guise. It's on a on a you know a Reddit sub post rather than telephones and people actively, you know, coordinating trades. But either way, it never ends well. Uh, and and I wouldn't want to be holding GameStop or holding the line for GameStop because I think a lot of people on the Wall Street bubble Reddit subpage are going to get burnt when it when it eventually collapses again. <laughs> and uh, I've read – so one of the other things that happened is a lot of these uh, people on the subreddit were executing their trades via Robinhood, 
mm-hmm. which has been the the darling of the uh, you know day trader uh, movement because they're like zero fee. They're like uh, superhero here, or uh, that other one that launched recently. I can't recall. Um, and self wealth, self wealth, and superhero. Yeah, and uh, uh, but they're but lower fees. And uh, but then Robin Hood stopped allowing people mm. to buy and then uh, after that they limited their ability to buy I think to one or two shares mm-hmm. um, and they got a ton of criticism a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of people on this subreddit have just said that's it you know uh, Robin Hood's dead to us after this and Robin <laughs> Hood came out and said well we had to do that because they had to uh, post collateral as well for trades Correct. going through their platform. With the clearinghouse, yeah. So, again, there's a there's a murky side to the stock market that most pe- people don't realise, but there's a, a couple of maybe three or four companies that actually do the, the trade processing, even if you're using a broker or if you're using Robin Hood or if you're using Comsec or whatever, they still have to go through a clearinghouse, which uh, marries up one side of the trade with the other. Until then, it's all just, you know, bits and bytes moving around the internet. But it's when the rubber hits the road that you've got to have the funds to back up that that buy or sell, and that's where Robin Hood was being asked to stump up more collateral for trades in this company as well. Mm. Yeah, and they, they fell short. So they had to raise money. They raised a billion dollars, um, which <laughs> which uh, that may allow them to start allowing trades again in, in that. But but the interesting thing about Robin Hood, remember we talked about it after we, we spoke to the rocket, the, the superhero guy here, and that was that... Robin Hood is making a large part, I think almost the majority of its income from front-running trade. So it sells the trading data of its of its uh, trades to hedge funds. Uh, <laughs> so it's, so, again, not a long bow to, to, to see who's benefiting from, from the Reddit bubble, Reddit uh, sub, subreddit. Wall Street bets bubble that's going on. Well, the flip side uh, to that is that if if Robin Hood makes its money out of hedge funds and uh, uses on its platform a collapsing hedge funds, yeah. it, it's going to want to <laughs> shut that shit down pretty quickly. The other part, uh, the other part that didn't get a lot of coverage in this is that Elon Musk, the richest man in the world now. Uh, <laughs> Started telling his forty-two million followers on Twitter to uh, jump on the bandwagon, and allegedly, <laughs> part of that is because Melvin Capital was shorting Tesla a while mm. back, yep. uh, and so Elon was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> it's payback time, bitches," and well, uh, so he jumped in. Melvin Capital would have done terribly out of the Tesla short as well. It's up what, <laughs> yeah. four times or something last year. Something ridiculous, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the other story, this, this wasn't just GameStop that the uh, Wall Street mm. Bets subreddit was talking about, uh, was, was uh, uh, to, you know, executing what they call a short squeeze, or what is called a short squeeze as I understand it. AMC, big cinema chain in the US that was going broke 
um, they also were plugging that because it was being shorted as well. And I remember seeing stories a couple of months ago. You know, my son Hunter wants to be an actor and he sent me a link, some story a couple of months ago saying AMC was going to go out of business. They're the biggest or one of the biggest cinema chains in the US and talking about what would that mean for the movie industry moving forwards if, you know, uh, cinemas, obviously COVID sort of put a big hole. I think they had mm. $600 million in debt. Um COVID put a big hole in their revenues and no one wanted to bail them out because no one knew how long this was going to last for. But apparently the 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 investment bank or whoever it was that owned most of the AMC debt had an option where they could trade it for stock. And when the Wall Street <laughs> bets people started to push it up, they traded their debt for stock. And so AMC's back in business because they just cleared all of their debt. <laughs> And the bank's happy because they got uh, multiples on their debt repaid. I'm not exactly sure. I'm not exactly sure how that played out. The story that I read said that uh, the share price didn't uh, cover the <laughs> debt oh, okay. that they had, but I, I, I that was on the weekend. Uh, I'm yeah. not exactly sure what they what they traded it for or whatever. But anyway, yeah. The other thing I to, sorry, the other thing I wanted to mention too was that um, well, two more things actually. Interesting side story. So. In the States, as, as, as there are similar regulations in Australia, if a company wants to buy back their own stock, they have to announce it to the market. But it can be fairly vague and wide-ranging. So, you know, like Qantas, for example, would come out last year and say, our stock's gone down, we think it's good value. We're going to buy up to, let's say, $100 million worth of stock in the next 12 months. And they can buy some or all of that at any time without disclosing it to the market. Now they've told the market up front they're doing it. Similar thing happens in the US. And funnily enough, GameStop had issued, uh, I think it was a $100 million notice earlier in the year that they may buy their stock. Or sorry, they may sell their stock, sell new stock to the market. So it's quite possible that they, um, they have issued new stock and sold it at a very high price, which is also going to help their balance sheet as well. Um, And in the article I read about that, it talked about another case, which we've spoken about last year, Hertz, the rental car company Mm. that was in administration. So it was, um, was, you know, I think it was still operating, but run by administrators and in the courts trying to sort out how much the creditors would get paid. And uh, something similar happened there where people started to buy Hertz stock and it, it rose like crazy. So Hertz went to the judge of the, the bankruptcy court and petitioned them to allow them to sell new shares. And the judge said, does it mean more money for the creditors? And they said, you bet. So he said, sure, go ahead. Hmm. So Hertz was able to sell new shares to unsuspecting buyers, basically when they were in bankruptcy court, hmm. uh, just because they could. So, wow. <laughs> you know, this kind of frothy market is, is to me, is a sign that, uh, yeah, it's, it's 2000 all over again. On top of uh, Howard Marks's capitulation. Yeah, capitulation, that's right. <laughs> last week. <laughs> Investor Michael Burry, who um, was featured in the book and the film The Big Short, was one of the guys that shorted the uh, whatever those weird housing mortgage stocks were. CDOs, yep. Uh, CDOs, yeah. He tweeted last week around this GameStop thing that it was the trading in it was unnatural, insane, and dangerous, and there should be legal and regulatory repercussions. 
there's been a lot of gnashing of teeth. A lot of American politicians have come out, commentators come out, you know, market commentators saying this is terrible, it's horrible <laughs> what these crazy redditors are doing. But uh, I don't know. I don't see anything morally wrong with this. I mean, a lot of I saw other people posting on Facebook over the last few days saying, "Oh, it's just shows you what a scam the whole thing is." I'm like, "Well, hold on. This is this is the market, right? I mean, yeah. this is just a bunch of people. They saw an opportunity to profit from this, and they jumped on it. I, I, do you see anything morally or ethically dubious about this whole thing? Yeah, I think it's sailing pretty close to the wind. It's a pump and dump operation. Like, like I said, just just insert Bobby Axelrod into the web at the Reddit sub group, uh, and he's in there under a false name, value trader of the century or whatever, uh, egging them all on to benefit his own book. And once the price gets high enough, he sells. That's a classic pump and dump. Right, but okay. So if somebody like that is caught doing then that, then that would be illegal. But assuming that that's not what's happening for a second, and it's just a bunch of investors who saw an opportunity to stick it to a hedge fund, nothing wrong with that, surely. I th- yes, like I said, it's sailing close to the wind, and whether it's you know you got to question who started it and what their motives were, and whether they were have profited from the whole venture and you know, <laughs> well, deep, what do they do it Deep again? fucking value started it and, yeah, he yeah. just made $42 million out of it. So There you go. There you but, go. So, but, but, but nothing wrong but with that. Be, he's, just, he's just a punter who has an investing YouTube channel who said, hey, I reckon we can um, profit from this. Everyone jump on board. How, how is that different to Bobby Axelrod doing it as a hedge fund manager? It's the same thing. Well, well, he's not doing it uh, secretly, or, 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 or you know, he's not like he held a position and then secretly didn't tell everyone he held a position and then pumped it to dump it. He he put it on a Reddit forum. Hey, you know what? If we all jump in and buy this thing, we can push the price up and uh, make right. some money. How's that? So how's has, it any different he, from anyone saying buy any stock on any internet forum? Yeah, it's it's not. But there've been cases like this before, like on Hot Copper, where they've you know. Uh, in a penny dreadful, they've colluded to push the price up, and as always, ends in tears because the last person to buy gets stuck with the with the rocketing loss, plummets like a stone, which I think will happen with GameStop as well. By the way, so it's dangerous. Mm. Did um did the deep effing value sell the stock? <laughs> Has he actually made $42 million or is it just on paper? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah, it's all on paper yeah. as far as I know. Well, he's he's one of the guys telling everyone not to sell. Okay. Go- well, that's different then. If he's not going to – if he sells, I think it's a pump and dump. You've got to hold the line. It's different. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a bit like us, Cam. What, you know, if I, if I tell everyone of our listeners, hey, stock of the week is XYZ Corp, uh, I think you should all buy it and I already own a position and next week because it's thinly traded, it goes up a lot and I sell it, that's illegal. Yeah, but we don't do that. <laughs> we don't do that. Okay, I'll change my name to Deep Effing Value and put it on a Reddit sub, sub board. <laughs> Aussie We're, Deep Effing Value. That's, that's one of the reasons we do your journal entries, to be completely transparent about what you're yeah. doing. So you can't be accused yeah. of that, right? Correct. I know, but, but, but yeah, did, but yeah. if if you did do that, that would be wrong. And as I said, if people are doing that, if they're using it to profit illegitimately uh, through lack of transparency, then they should be held accountable. But outside of that, I have I don't see any issue with a bunch of people in an on internet no. forum jumping on and buying stock. I mean, the hedge fund got whacked, but that's I mean that's what comes with shorting something, right? That's the, the 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 funny thing is, I saw these uh, you know uh, complaints that the redditors were. 
uh, manipulating the market, I was like, well, what the hell do you think these shorting hedge funds are doing? That's exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to manipulate the share price downwards. These are guys that are trying to manipulate it upwards. What's the difference? Yep, no, there's no difference. And the the hedge funds adopt the same sorts of tactics. They'll go out and and publish reports about, you know, how, how bad the accounts are and what looks wrong in them and suspicious and how corrupt the management are and blah, 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 to try and drive the price down. Mm. Same of thing course, in reverse. Well, you know, it's uh, it's beaten our portfolio up this week and there are, <laughs> there are questions about, well, what does this mean for the stock market in general if – Six million people in an internet forum can get in and just drive stuff up and down, but uh, I don't know. That to me, that's just the free market, man. That's that's the stock market. That's uh, capitalism. If you don't like it, let's uh, pull out Karl Marx and we can have a serious discussion about <laughs> the many many flaws of capitalism. I'm happy to do that, but while we live in a capitalist economy, then this is capitalism. Yeah, I think I wonder how many of those new additions to the Reddit subpage are actually wearing braces and smoking cigars in Wall Street. They'll be they'll be thinking of a way to, to manipulate it to their advantage for sure. Of course they will. Uh, yeah, so I think they're, 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 you're right. This this you know one off grassroots Occupy Wall Street type movement is fine, but once it becomes a pump and dump, which it probably which it really is, um, that's the end of it. Yeah, the other point I needed to make, I wanted to make too, is that it also shines a light on options we didn't speak about. So we talked about shorting, but a lot of the people, from what I'm reading about this, uh, didn't buy shares in GameStop. They bought call options on GameStop, mm-hmm. mm. which meant that they bought the right to buy the shares at some mm-hmm. point in the near future mm. at a certain value, and they they just punted that that value was going to be less than what the shares were worth. Mm-hmm. And that, in a funny sort of way, also drove the share price up because uh, if you know, the person who bought the options, um, say, say they bought a 1,000 options, um, which gave them the right in a week's time to buy GameStop at 50 bucks and the shares were at 40 then just as a way of risk mitigation, the person who sold them that option had to would go out and buy shares at GameStop um, so that they could, if the options went above um, you know, if, if the share price went above fifty dollars and the options made money, and they had to deliver the fifty, you know, the shares, the thousand shares to this person at fifty bucks, they weren't going to bleed. So they they go out and buy them at forty. So they're in the market as well, buying shares to mitigate their option exposure. So all these things are working behind the scenes to to drive the price up because you haven't just got someone buying an option on a 1,000 shares. You've got the person selling the option buying the shares. You haven't just got someone shorting. They've got to also find the collateral and then buy it back when they're squeezed. So there's a lot of a lot of moving parts mm. in this whole saga. And it reminds me of, again, once the retail investor starts getting into options and potentially shorting, <laughs> it's, it's like firecracker night, which yeah. is now banned in Australia, right, because people do their hands off. <laughs> and, uh, and as Buffett said, you know, all these things are weapons of mass financial destruction. <laughs> they really are. Yeah. When you start messing in options and shorts and leverage. CDOs. CDOs, you just blow things up. And, you know, that's where we're headed. Well, speaking we're already. speaking about continuing signs of the apocalypse, Uh, Ray Dalio not only is Howard Marks talking about capitulation Ray Dalio 
has called Bitcoin one hell of an invention and considers it for new funds. Bridgewater Associates founder Ray Dalio said he's considering cryptocurrencies as investments for new funds, offering clients protection against the debasement of fiat money. Uh, to have invented a new type of money via a system that is programmed into a computer and that has worked for around 10 years and is rapidly gaining popularity as both a type of money and a storehold of wealth is an amazing accomplished Dalio wrote accomplishment, Dalio wrote in a note to clients and later posted on Bridgewater's website. There aren't many alternative gold-like assets at this time of rising need for them. Well, what do you make of? I know his uh, yeah, son. Capitulation. Double his son, capitulation. <laughs> his son uh, tragically passed away in a car accident a few weeks ago. So mm. maybe uh, he's still just in the grief process, and uh, you know this got him at a weak moment. But uh, he, the article of Bloomberg also says, like others, however, Dalio said he found it challenging to put a value on digital mm. assets, while Bitcoin has the potential make to make investors very rich as well as disrupt the existing monetary system, there are risks. No kidding. He said uh, <laughs> cryptocurrencies are probably vulnerable to being hacked and subject to restrictions by governments that want control over the money supply, which is the thing I keep pointing out to our mm. friend Torsten Hoffman, um, producer of uh, the End of Money Bitcoin documentary. Like, what happens? They go, oh, it's beyond the reach of governments, really? <laughs> like, <laughs> what happens when governments just go, no, nah, you can't use that shit anymore, it's illegal. Mm. And if you use it, we'll put you in jail. What happens then? Mm. Or they regulate it. Mm. Yeah, tie it, tie it to a peg to the US dollar or something. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to go on with that Dalio article, but it did say somewhere else that if you're going to invest in Bitcoin, be prepared to potentially lose 80% of your capital. Well, that's nothing. You know, 80%. <laughs> What's 80% between friends, Tony? <laughs> I mean, this this... This all smells of almost groupthink in some respects. So these guys are investing tens of, if not hundreds of billions of dollars in funds. So he's probably, you know, he's probably dipping a toe in the water with a you know, few million bucks, which will have no effect on his portfolio just because everyone else is. You know, he was at Davos last week and they said, hey, have you tried this Bitcoin stuff? It's been really good in the last 12 months. So, you know, that's that's all this is, I think. I, he's not going to put, or he can't put significant sums of money into Bitcoin because the market's not that big. Another uh, crypto that my boys were talking to me about last week was Dogecoin. You familiar with Dogecoin? <laughs> Never heard of it. It was created <laughs> in 2000. 2000- is there a Reddit <laughs> subpage for it? <laughs> of course there is. Uh, it was a, it, it came out in 2013 as a joke and then actually became a real uh, alt you know crypto coin altcoin. Um, and its share price uh, went <laughs> last week well, its price, not a share price. its price last week went from uh, 2.8 cents US to uh, 4.3 cents. US uh, in like uh, days and then it came back to 3.6 and now it's currently at 3.9. <laughs> Hunter called me and goes, I'm going to put all my money in Dogecoin. <laughs> oh, no. He said, both of them are calling me up going, Tony should be in Doge. Tell Tony <laughs> to get in Doge. I said, yeah, you call Tony and tell him to go into Doge. Good luck with that. See, so, yeah, let me know what happens. It actually oh, went from... It went as sorry. high as uh, sorry. It went as high as uh, eight cents. 
last week. Eight cents from from uh, no shit. Check this out. On the twenty seventh of January, it was trading at point oh oh eight dollars, point oh eight of a cent. Then it went up to eight cents, and then it came back to uh, where it is today, three point nine cents. So yeah. I think there was this another re- <laughs> Wall Street bets one. <laughs> this just reminds me so much of uh, the dot com boom when there was a company I forget now what it's called. I think it was called something like Box, and it raised a hundred listed raised a hundred million dollars. Um, its its IPO said we're raising money. We don't have a use for it yet. The company doesn't manufacture anything, doesn't buy or sell anything, and it listed. And then they put .com after its name. It went up ten times in the week that followed. I've got this. I've got the story here. Uh, yeah, box box.net. in July 2012. Box secured 125 million in a funding round. Oh, this must be a different one. No, a different one. Might, might not have been called Box. Sorry. But yeah, innocuous company raised money, had no use for it, and then changed its name to company.com. It went up 10 times. <laughs> there you go. Same thing. And that's that's also happening. It's interesting development as well. The SPAC vehicles are listing in the States. Have you heard of those? The SPACs? SPAC. No, what's a SPAC? I have to be careful here. Yeah. <laughs> I know where you're going. Never go full retard. <laughs> 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 special special purpose acquisition company. So they're basically uh, cash boxes that are listing in the states without uh, they're raising money listing and they don't have any use for the money. But but the idea is that when the time is right they'll buy something. Everybody knows you never go full retard. What do you mean? Check it out. Dustin Hoffman, Ray Man, look retarded, act retarded, not retarded. Cat two picks, cheated cards, autistic, sure, not retarded. You got Tom Hanks, Forrest Gump. Slow, yes, retarded, maybe. Braces on his legs, but he charmed the pants off next to him and he won a ping pong competition. That ain't retarded. And he was a goddamn war hero. Right. You know any retarded war heroes? You went full retard, man. Never go full retard. You don't buy that? Yeah, Sean Penn, 2001, I am saying. Remember? Went full retard. Went home empty handed. Well, but Danny Jr. playing an Australian, playing a African American man in. Uh, <laughs> Ben Stiller film. Tropical Good Thunder. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So the SPACs, it's, again, this is just like it was in the dot-com boom. People are raising money, listing on the stock market with no use for that money until a special opportunity comes along. And people are happy to put some money in that company. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, been a crazy, crazy uh, week. And this is on top of what we talked about last week, which was the US market coming back on the fears that it might be in a bubble. Yeah. I think this week has just driven that home. Um, yeah. I, w- I want to give a shout out to Andy and the other guys in Melbourne. They, uh, on the back of your uh, event you did with them last month, they decided to keep getting together and they got together last week. 
um, for Japanese again for sushi, and they linked me in over a Zoom call because so, oh, I felt nice. left. They they obviously uh, you know realized after spending a few hours with you that I'm the real <laughs> magic behind the show, so they wanted to bring me in to see if I could help them, you know, make some sense. And they asked me a couple of questions and I said, yeah, I, you need to ask Tony that. I, I can't. I'm not the guy to ask those questions. I'm just the, I'm just the good looking one. Um, but that's nice. They've got a little QAV club down there now, which is great. And um, I think it that's is. fantastic. They're catching up and uh, going through the checklist and analyzing stuff together and swapping notes, which is great. And it, we should just start a subreddit post for them as well. <laughs> <laughs> for the stocks in the QAV portfolio. Yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. uh, let's talk about your journal entries. Uh, entry mm. for last week, Tony, and we can do your stock of the week. You did one entry last week. Uh, two stocks you talked about. COG Financial, COG, came out with a profit upgrade recently and you uh, put it on the buy list. Yep. So that one and the other one was AP Eagers, which I was going to make stock of the week, but I had a look at it today and I think it's actually a bit of an upward Schrodinger. So let me call up COG first. And I think COG may have been on our buy list once before. I'm not sure. I'm just going to call it up. It's only a, it's only a small stock. It's a financial services company. Uh, ADT 5000, I think you said. Yes, that's right. It's uh, $5,133 traded every day on average until Wall Street bets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, finance broking aggregator, I guess. So um, this company provides units focused on aggregation of broker volumes to encourage profitability through scale and finance broking focused on motor and equipment finance. Under this business unit, COG has established a nationwide distribution hub through its independent aggregation platform members and equity-owned brokers and is an advisor to the Australian small to medium enterprise sector. And then there's also a commercial equipment leasing business and the HA. L Group, which provides IT services, um, although it's going to sell that unit. Yeah, so a lot of uh, equipment leasing and, you know, um, affiliated uh, businesses. And it, um, just looking at its share chart. Looks like it was going up until the end of the month and then it dropped back along with lots of things that dropped back at the end of last month. Yeah, so it's actually um, it's a bit of an upward trading. It's just touched its sell line again, or just above its sell line now. So um, high point is obvious, sort of uh, January twenty seventeen. Uh, you're taking the end of uh, what would you take as the second point on this? Uh, I'm, I'm taking the just before the COVID cough, so February twenty. Right, not the end of January now? End of January now. No, I mean, simply all I've done is just to put the ruler on the high point and then swung it down until it hit the next peak, and that was the February one. Yeah, but no, now the end of January 21 is the next peak, the last peak. It's above that line. It's the last peak, yeah, but uh, the the buy I'm looking at occurred in, if I use that uh, end of February 
second peak, and then that was a buy-in. What's that? November twenty twenty. November. Yeah. Yeah. And since then, it hasn't been a sell. It's it's flirted with a sell as it is now, but it's yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm not using the the right hand peak at the so moment. So it's it's just crossing the sell line now, by the looks of it. Yeah, just nine, touching it. Nine cents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll put that chart up on our website so people can have a look what we're talking about. All right. Well, sorry, Cog. You uh, your moment in the sun was all too brief. <laughs> R.I.P. Cog. Well, I think it's I think it's just touching the sell line. It, I want to see it break through first. Oh, okay. Break on through to the other side. Mm. Okay. I think it's slightly above it. Not by All much, right. though. And but AP Eagers was the one AP I was going yep. to make stock of the week. Hmm. And uh, even listened to a fascinating interview with the managing director, which was fasc- not not fascinating because of, of the industry it was in, which is buying and selling new and used cars. But just his, um, he's obviously, you know, he's the biggest uh, dealer network in Australia. He's quite uh, intermeshed with the big players around the world and he was giving his views on electric vehicles and their take-up rates and autonomous vehicles and uh, you know basically he thinks that governments will mandate more and more electric vehicles and they'll rise but it will still only be you know sort of 30 percent of the population within the next or the vehicle population within the next sort of 10 years Uh, but he thinks nothing of autonomous vehicles He, he doesn't think they'll be a thing in our lifetimes so that was interesting Really? Wow, mm. that's a that's a huge call. Yeah, he thinks he, he blames the fact that you know our, our road networks are going to make it hard for anyone to to do a truly autonomous vehicle, and our road networks are just so enmeshed in our societies um, that it, it really won't change in our lifetimes. Was his point? Hmm. Hmm. So that was interesting, but the, but the company it, it suffered badly during COVID, and last year. You, you may have recalled we talked about you know lack of uh, vehicle buying by the public don't, as they don't don't save mention no, don't mention no you're not allowed <laughs> no that company that shall not be named on this podcast forthwith forevermore yeah so we were talking about them and how they couldn't sell their RVs but uh, and that was the same for AP Eagles and it crashed and then but it's been climbing up again steadily since then. And uh, it's done quite well. Apparently, in the last few months, the the market for vehicle sales has picked up again, uh, which was our thesis behind companies like Eclipse as well, which is on our buy list before. But I looked at AP Eagers again today as I was preparing, and it's it's really, you know, one of those upward Schrodinger's. It's it's crossed its sell line as well as crossing its buy line at the same time. So I think I'd want to just be a bit careful and, and look for a more look. Look for this trend to be even more established than it is. It's pretty, pretty impressive trend since February, uh, March last year. Sorry, since the COVID cough, but it is starting to flatten off a bit in the last few months. Let's talk about the chart then. So it yeah. reached a high in September nineteen at fourteen dollars twenty nine. Dropped down in the COVID cough uh, to three dollars and four. Currently trading at thirteen fifty six. So obviously that peak in September is the first. High point? What's the second high point? Is it uh, November 2020 or lower than that? Because it seems it's just been going up. I'm using February 2020. And so I really should have picked this up earlier um, as a buy probably around June 2020. And then it's it's 
got one of those upward lines which keeps testing its sell line mm. on the way up as well. So it's been buy and sell all the way back up again. So what would you use as the second low point? Like um, uh, at, at the April? moment, I'm, I'm using September at the moment. September $9.08. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Why that one in particular? Again, same thing in reverse. I've just taken a ruler to the low point and then swung it up until it's hit the trough. And that's that point there in right. September. And you can see yeah. the current share price. When I put out the stock journal last night, last week, sorry, the share price was above that sell line, but it's dropped a bit. Right. Mm. Right. Okay. Well, sorry, APE. You too. Your you time can. your time has passed. So no stock of the week, except for GameStop, I guess. <laughs> or the Australian GME. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what was What's the Australian GME? I'm just it's looking a it up. Resource company. Right. <laughs> GME resources. Wow. Yeah. It's still up too. <laughs> <laughs> On the 31st, like, uh, well, let's see. And the 27th of January, it was trading at 6.6 .6 cents. It's currently trading at 8 cents. So Hold the line, uh, brother. Hold the line. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I did read uh, something from their CEO going, yeah, like we don't, yeah, it's nothing to do with us. But, uh, thank you, I guess. The <laughs> Sullivan brothers, Peter and James <laughs> Sullivan, won that. That's funny. The response mm. to the, the response to the ASX price query uh, they put out on the 29th of January. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. Like, how do you respond to something like this? Why has your share price gone up so much recently? They're going, I don't know, idiots. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the company <laughs> notes recent media reports concerning trading activity in a US-listed technology company called GameStop, which also has an exchange ticket code GME, but notes this company is not related in any way to GME Resources Limited. Uh, it's very boring. They could have at least, you know, had some fun with it. Yeah, the article I read, the, the guy said, look, we haven't announced anything in terms of new mineral d discoveries or whatever, but we are a good company. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So don't sell. If you bought it, just keep it. It's good. We're undervalued. Yeah. Listen to QAV. <laughs> we should do an analysis. Have you done an analysis on GME? Are they in the buy list? I don't, no, they're not in the buy list. I haven't looked at them. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, let's talk about our portfolio then before we move on to questions. Uh, we took a beating last week uh, and we're down like for the, well, we took more of a beating than the All Lords did. Why do you think that might be? Uh, I think it's our, our resources stocks. Uh, the iron ore price dropped $20, so that's forced Fortescue down. Mm. And gold is still sort of around that 1800, 1850 mark. So they've been sort of up and down and largely down, I guess, in, in the last few months. So, yeah, I think resources have, have done, have come off the boil, I think, in what was a pretty inflated market for iron ore anyway. Right. CXC has come down as well. CX, what? No, C6C. C6C. I can never say that. C6C. It's a tongue twister. C Copper Mountain has come back too. I mean, we're still 91% up from when we bought it in right. October, <laughs> but it was up like 120 last week. So anyway, yeah. And uh, yeah, FMG's back, as you said. So 
Yeah. Anyway, um, so we've 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 dropped back. I think like like last week when we recorded, we were like thirty six percent up for the financial year. Now we're only twenty seven percent up, <laughs> uh, depending on what you look at. Yeah, but uh, you know it's okay. We're doing all right. Yeah, and that's uh, so twenty seven percent up for QIV and twelve percent up for the All Lords. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, that so, that figure you're looking at's not the uh, total return, but uh, okay. I, I haven't. I sure I got to do the end of month total return. I forgot mm. to do that this morning. I'll do that, mm-hmm. and we can report yeah. on it later. But even so, it's it's usually about two percent, so it's going to be twenty six versus fourteen, which is about where we should be. Mm. Yeah. Well, I don't actually. I don't need to do it now because I'm using Navexa as another portfolio tool. Um, the uh, Navexa guys are going to come on the show maybe next month for an interview. Um, Navare and Tom, I had a chat with them last week. Um, but one of the interesting things is they do a comparison on their website against the um, total return index somehow. Uh, let me see if I can... On a day-to-day basis, I think so. Yeah, okay. it seems it seems to be. Um, oh no, I need a paid plan. I'll come off the paid plan. I need a paid plan to be able to look at it at the benchmark. Anyway, they do that, which is uh, kind of handy. Mm-hmm. But uh, I can't see it. Anyway, <laughs> so not handy. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> Handy not right handy. now. <laughs> yeah. Now I need to upgrade and actually give them more, some more money. I didn't see the point in paying for two on online portfolio services. Yeah. But there's they don't they do that, which means uh, I can stop doing it on the spreadsheet, which would be good. Because mm-hmm. it's a pain in the ass. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, on to questions. Well, that's the end of the free episode for this week. For the brand new folks, I want you to know that each week we have a free episode and a premium episode. Free episode runs about half an hour. Premium episode usually runs for an extra half hour to an hour, depending on how many questions we have from our audience that week, because we spend a lot of that time answering questions. Uh, If you want to check out the premium episodes, you can go up to our website, qavpodcast.com.au, and sign up for the two-week free trial. You get to have a look at the premium episodes. You get to have a look at the checklist, the getting started guide, all of the video content that we have. Uh, You get invited to our VIP dinners and our VIP Zoom calls for club members. You get to ask Tony questions that we can answer. You get to get invited to our uh, Facebook group, our private Facebook group, et cetera, et cetera. And also we get a, a... private uh, club member newsletter each week we send out as well with some stuff in it so check that out qavpodcast.com.au but as i said if you're brand new and you want to you're trying to figure out what's going on go back and listen to season three episodes one three and five 301 303 and 305 and then you might also want to go back and listen to season one as well all of the free episodes in season one where we go into a lot of detail about tony's system and methodology and figure out if this is right for you, if it's something that you want to go further with, if you want to learn how to invest like Tony does, then you can check out the uh, QAV Club. Uh, the other thing I always have to say is we're not financial advisors, so don't take anything you hear on this as financial advice. This is just here to teach how one guy invests and thinks about investing. 
If you need financial advice or tax advice, please go see a financial advisor or a tax advisor. Uh, with that, stay safe. Good luck with your investing, and we'll be back next week. <laughs>